Glad you came to church today. This is the best place to be on Father's Day. Amen. At least this is where the Father is. If you're searching for the Father, He's here. Hallelujah. So I've got two things I want to share. Um, two actual sermons here. And um, I'm debating on which one I really want to do, but I think we're going to go ahead and do this one. So how to be a good father. I do, would like to start with um, next month we are going to have a baby dedication. I, wanna, I have somebody's note here that I want to read something. Also, this is a mess. If I can get it together and read this one thing. Okay, uh, let's turn to Luke 2 really quick concerning baby dedication and why do we dedicate instead of baptize. Um, there's no sense baptizing a baby because they're not going to know what you're doing and it takes a born-again believer to get baptized. They need to know what they are involving themselves in and if someone could get me some Kleenex I would really appreciate it. I think there's one by you sweetheart. Okay. Thanks, Brian. I appreciate that. Luke 2, 21. At the end of eight days when the baby was to be circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And at the time from the purification, the mother the mother's purification and the baby's dedication came according to the law of Moses. And they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be set apart and dedicated and called holy to the Lord. And they came also to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the, in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons, now there was a man in Jerusalem named, whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, cautiously and carefully observing the divine law and looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been divinely revealed, communicated to him by the Holy Spirit, that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. And he prompt, and prompted by the Holy Spirit, he came into the temple enclosure. And when the parents brought in the little child Jesus to do for him what was customary according to the law, Simeon took him up in his arms and praised and thanked God and said, And now, Lord, you are releasing your servant to depart, leave this world in peace according to your word. Can you imagine this man had waited all these years, all these years to see the Messiah. And here he was and he was like, praise God, I can go on and die now. Hallelujah. Anyway, so we go on to see, I have seen your salvation you, which you have ordained and prepared before the presence of all people, a light of revelation to the Gentiles to disclose what was 
unknown and to bring praise and honor and glory to your people Israel. And his legal father and his mother were marveling at what he, what he said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, the Christ is appointed and destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is spoken against them. And he goes on and speaks. And then it goes on to say in verse 37, uh, 36, there was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanel, in the tribe of Asher. She was very old, having lived with her husband seven years from her maidenhood, and a widow even for, 40, for 84 years. She did not go out from the temple enclosure, but was worshiping night and day and fasting and prayer. And she too came to this up at the same hour, and she returned thanks to God and talked to the Jews, talk, talked of Jesus to all who were looking for the redemption, deliverance of Jerusalem. And they had done everything according to the law of the Lord, and they went back to Galilee, their own hometown, Nazareth. So instead of baptizing, we dedicate babies to the Lord. And what, what a dedication is, is the parents come before God and they say, we are raising this child that you have loaned us to raise for you. And we promise to raise this child in a godly way in the word of God. And we give this child to you. And I remember there was a woman that told me only one of her children was, was always turned on to the Lord. And it was interesting, she told me, she's the only one out of all my children that I dedicated to the Lord, and what a difference. Amen. So, let's go on. I'm going to teach on fathers this morning, since it is Father's Day. How to be a good father, Proverbs 22, 6 through 22. How to be a good father. Most of you probably know this, but it's not going to hurt you to refresh your minds. Amen? Actually, it's 22.6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and in training with his individual gift, or bent, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. So in other words, when you take a child and you train a child, you just don't put a child out there and expect him to do whatever. You have to train that child. You have to train that child according to the Word of God, to what the Word of God says. I remember, um, and I appreciated this in Pastor, he expected much, but he taught much. And any of you that have been in the service or had parents in the service know how the bed is made and you can flip a quarter off it or something. Or I can't remember what the deal was, but the boys didn't know how to make beds. You kidding? They just throw them together. Well, let me tell you, after we got married, they knew how to make beds and they knew how to make, what do they call it, military corners or something. I even learned how to make beds. My mother tried to teach me, but I didn't do too well on that. But... You have to train them. You have to teach them. It's just not, go do it. 
and then expect it to be done. You, it's just like a, a young girl or a, even, even a male, if you have a male in your household. If you want them to do the dishes right, then you need to teach them how to do it. After that, if they don't do it right, then they can, then you can get on them. But if you've never taught them or trained them, you may as well forget it. Um, number one, are you ready? How to be a good father, love your wife. Your children watch how you treat their mother. They watch and they are learning and forming their concept of marriage from you. You are creating a pattern, a blueprint for marriage with your children. If, you, if they see you show disrespect to your wife, your son will carry into his marriage the same respect that you, that you gave to your child will go on into their marriage, into that marriage. So the number one thing, you need to love your, love your wife. If you verbally or mentally or physically abuse your wife, your daughter will expect that in her marriage. And that's really sad because in the years of counseling, it's sad to me when I see a woman come that's abusive or being abused by her husband. I'll go back and I'll ask her, did you have an ab abusive home? How did your father treat you? And every time the father was abusive, maybe not physically, but mentally, or with abusive words. Okay, let's move on here. If you treat their mother like she isn't worth very much, you are disregarding the home, the family, and the marriage, which they will carry into the future, into their future homes, families, and marriages. But if they visibly see you show and respect their mother, your son will learn how to be a good husband and father himself. If you honor your wife, your daughter will never be satisfied with a man who dishonors her. If you cherish their mother as a valuable part of not only your life, but their life, they will carry that model with them for the rest of their lives. If you cherish their mother as a valuable part, not of only your life, but their life, they will carry that model with them for the rest of their lives. There we go. Next. Okay, Ephesians 5.28. I'm going to make it easy on you today, guys. The other sermon was a hard sermon that we all need to listen to. It's, it, it's called Parental Duties. Hallelujah. Ephesians 5.28. Listen, my baby is 42 and he is still my baby. He will be my baby until he'll always be my baby. <laughs> Even in heaven, I don't care how old I am and how old he gets. He will always be my baby. You go, oh, brother. It's the truth. If you're the youngest one in the family, you're the baby. Whether you like it or not, you may as well take advantage of it. Okay, 
Ephesians 5.28, even so husbands should love their wives as being in a sense their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. No man ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and carefully protects and cherishes it as God does the church. Hallelujah. So, we're, love your wife. So husbands ought to love their own wives. We're still on that. He who loves his own wife loves himself. You can tell how much a man cares about themselves by the way they treat their wives. Second one, don't expect perfect children. Good luck if that's what you're expecting. Go back and think on yourself, were you perfect? Just like there are no perfect fathers, there are no perfect children. Fathers, don't expect your children to be perfect. Don't expect them to meet all your expectations, to fulfill all the goals for them, to be what you want them to be. You know, many people in ministry raise up their children and their, their idea is that their children are going to follow them in ministry. And I, and I have seen many, many, many pastor's kids go out into the world because that is not what they have planned for their life. What, what, do, you, what do you really want your child to be? Good? Love God? Do whatever, whatever he or she does? Help people? You know, those, those are my criterias, criterias in raising children. Too many fathers try to live out their lives through their children. They want their sons to be the football stars they could never be. They want their daughters to marry into money <laughs> and success <laughs> that they never achieved. Well, I have, I'll have to be honest with you. I did tell my kids, my sons, it's, easier to, it's just as easy to marry a rich person as it is a poor person. You know, I have to be, I, I'm guilty there, okay? It's just, it's just as easy. But what's it going, what is it going to take for you to get there? And so I went down the list. So it wasn't something that was a number one on there, but I used to throw that out there at them. You know, kids, when they get a certain age, they don't think they have enough of anything. How many know that? Starts around 13, 14, 15. Um, too many fathers try to live out their own lives through their children. I don't know if Pastor ever wanted his sons to be football stars, did you? <laughs> I certainly didn't. I didn't want to see them all beat up. Every child is different. They're not a clone of you, thank God. It's natural for a child to make mistakes, spill their milk, accidentally break things, do poorly on tasks, get angry. They're not perfect like you were when you were a kid. Accept your children for who they are, whether they're clumsy or athletic, scatterbrained or brainy, shy or motor mouth, goofy or sophisticated. You say, oh brother, I don't like this sermon. This is where training up a child, okay? If you see that they are tending to go one way, we have everything out there available to bring out the 
negativity and turn that negative, negative force into a positive force with the Word of God. Amen. And that's why you've been placed as a watch person over your child. Amen. My mother used to, I remember as a child, she used to put down the milk or whatever. We didn't drink milk after I was three. Well, whatever it was and say, spill it or drink it. That's a nice thing to say to a kid. So I turned out to be pretty clumsy at, at a certain age, but I got over it. Amen. Instead, contrary, con instead of constantly criticizing their imperfections, acknowledge their perfections and love them. They aren't perfect. They will never be perfect. Don't expect, don't ex accept them, expect them to be perfect. Too many children are told how stupid they are. And it's sad because they grow up thinking that they can never accomplish anything. So parents, it's up to us, especially the fathers, to promote godliness and bring a positive, positive words into your child's lives. A mother just naturally does that, most mothers. There, aren't, there are some mothers that are pretty crummy mothers, I have to admit. But most mothers nurture their children. But men have a tendency to pick apart every little thing. You know, choose the big things. We had a list of 10 things that were important to us. And those were things that you don't... These are the, these are the rules. These are the laws. These are, these are the things we expect you to do. If you don't do them, you can plan on getting... A whipping for this. Just plan on it. Don't. I don't want to say it twice. You know, when you first start on it, you give them a couple weeks or a month or whatever. But they knew this is the list. These are the rules. We're not going to break them. They tried, but it didn't work. Okay. So instead of constantly criticizing them, that wears you out. You know, when you criticize continually. You just, it becomes a, uh, you wear out and you start to see the negativity in them. What you start to see is yourself in them, your imperfections. And Paul tells us to, one thing that I do, I and I'm going to paraphrase this, I refuse to look back, but I press on to the mark of high calling. So you've got to have a mark of high calling that you're expecting for your children and criticizing them just keeps pulling them back and pulling you back to your imperfections because most people criticize their children for their imperfections. Amen? Acknowledge, their, acknowledge them and love them. They aren't perfect. They will never be perfect and don't expect them to be perfect. Colossians 3.21 Say, well, what do we do when one just doesn't seem to want to change? We'll get to that in a little bit. I couldn't believe it when my stepdad told me, because I knew what brats my brothers were, when he told me that my mom said I was the hardest one to raise. I was absolutely shocked. Colossians 3.21 Fathers, 
Well, let's, let's, let's look at, let's go up one. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Provoke not, lest they be discouraged. Fathers, do not provoke or irritate or fret your children. Do not be hard on them or harass them, lest they become discouraged and sullen and morose and feel inferior and frustrated. Do not break their spirit. When fathers provoke, irritate, and fret their children, the children feel inferior and frustrated. And the sad thing is so many of us have more than one child. Every child is different. At least mine were. I mean, it, I couldn't believe that the three children came out of the same person. But the ma most amazing part is my oldest one had, which was not pastors, my oldest one had his temperament more than any of them. So he certainly didn't have my temperament and he didn't have my ex-husband's temperament. But being around my husband and a lot, my husband teaching him and training him caused him to become like pastor in many ways. Amen? So think about this. Don't make your children resentful or they will become discouraged. How to be a good father? Don't expect per perfect children. Three, enjoy your children. God gave us these children to enjoy. Not when they become 18 and over. <laughs> Psalms 127.3 Hope you're getting something out of this. You can throw in amens every now and then. Some of you parents feel like you were, you know, your kids are grown and you, that you failed at it. Trust me, you didn't. It says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, I'm 68, and I don't consider myself old, so no comments out there, okay? Psalms 127.3. I remember when I was 18, 68 to me was ancient, was real ancient. 127.3. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb, a reward. Children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb, womb a reward. I like the way the King James says it. it. says, Lo, children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. Hallelujah. So, thank God. Children are a gift of the Lord. Children are given to us to enjoy, not to be a burden, not to avoid, not to ignore, but to enjoy. You know, I, I'll agree, I'll admit there are, are days when there is great joy, and then there are days when you'd like to, to um, 
take them and put them in a corner somewhere, but you can't. We're to raise them for Jesus. I have a friend who recently, her, I don't remember, she was telling me her, her granddaughter, I think it's four months, no, not that, four weeks old. And the grandson has been asking, when are you sending her back? When is she going back? Sorry, sweetheart, she's not going. Many of you think about that, about your brothers or sisters. I'd like to shove them back. It's not going to happen. Praise God. They're not a burden. They're not to avoid. They're not to ignore, but to enjoy. In order to enjoy them, we've got to be with them. We've got to do things with them. Have fun with them. Share your life with them. None of this, the quality of time is more important than the quantity of time. Let me say this. The quality of time is more important than the quantity of time. The quantity of time you spend with them tells them how important they are to you. Whether they are just an afterthought or an inconvenience or a disruption in your busy schedule. Don't just give them your leftovers. Even being a father, make sure that you enjoy having, that they enjoy having you as their father. Spend some time on the floor with them, giving them horse rides, whatever. Take them to fun places, doing things, laugh, play, and give them some memories of dad being fun to be around. It's the quality of time that's important. One thing that our kids remember, and still to this day, every night, 7 o'clock, except on, the, on church nights, we sat down and did family devotions, and we had a kid's Bible, because Matt was quite a bit younger than the others that... We took turns, and everyone got to choose a story out of that Bible. I don't know how many times we did David and Goliath. I, I, you know, I didn't care what they chose, as long as they could repeat back to me what they learned. And, you know, a lot of people get really serious about it and want the kids to sit still. Matt would take his Hot Wheels out and run him up and down the chair. I knew he was listening because he could answer the questions. And then we would, then each one of them had to come up with something new that they were going to pray for that day. Didn't matter, if people showed up at our house, they sat down and had family devotions with us and, and people got saved showing up unexpectedly at seven o'clock. We didn't stop it. That was part of our lifestyle. But we also found in our lives that it was good to just not take all of them at once, that pastor would take them or I would take them one at a time and spend quality time with them. Just sitting down with them, sharing their lives with them, finding out what they were desiring to experience and what they were believing for in life. So it was, it was a fun time. Raising kids to me was a blast. Okay, how to be a good father? Enjoy your children. Number four, 
Do you have number one, two, three, and four? Okay, number four, listen to your children. A lot of people do not listen to their children, and that's where they make a big mistake. If your child comes to sit down and talk to you, turn off the TV and give them 100% of your attention, no matter what. I made a quality decision early on that my children, my husband, God was first, pastor was second, my children were third, church was fourth, and if they wanted to come and sit down and talk to me, I turned everything off. There were plenty of things that I wanted to look at or that I'd wanted to do, but I turned it off because that was, they had something they wanted to tell me and they didn't need to listen to mom saying, yeah, 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 whatever. They needed to have my full undivided attention. Praise God. So give them your undivided attention, not with one eye on the TV and the other on them. When they have a problem, when they're worried, when they're sad, when they're lonely, they don't need cartoons or video games or their best friend's dad, they need you. You know, a lot of people think, well, let's just buy them something and get them stuck in front of that. That's not what they need, they need you. This goes to moms and dads. Get involved with your children and know what's going on in their everyday life. Meet their friends. A number one. Meet their friends. Two, I have several, several lists here you might want to write down. Meet their friends. So I've heard parents say, oh yeah, my kids' friends are all right. Have you met them? No. How do you know? Because my kid told them that. Well, let me tell you, I've been around that road a few times. I made sure I met their friends and I met their parents and I found out what their parents believed. My mom was strict and it rubbed off on me in that way. But meet their friends. That was number one. Number two, they were not allowed to date anybody unless they were a Christian. That was, that was a rule in our home. If they're not a Christian, you don't go out with them. Okay. Get involved with your children. Know what's going on in their lives every day. Listen to them. Even when they're not saying anything, they speak volumes. When they're not saying anything, they're speaking volumes to you. Be the kind of father, and I'm going to put in here mother, that they can come to and say anything that's on their mind without being criticized for it. If you listen to them when they're small and their problems are small, then they'll come to you when they're bigger and their problems are bigger. I found that out to be when my oldest one turned 16. He um, was a junior and I was very busy in ministry and I was very busy in the church. I did all the counseling at the church we belonged to. And our oldest son had backslidden for a period of time and came back to the Lord. And he came to me and he said, Mom, I need to come home instead of, because I'm, I'm completely cutting myself off from the people at school that are a, a bad influence on me. 
I need to come home at, on lunch, every lunch, every lunch, every day, and have lunch with you this year. And so I immediately scratched my schedule, just totally that whole lunch hour every day for that year was totally wiped out. As far as I was concerned, I could do the ministry before and I could do the ministry after. I could get my housework done before I could get it done after. But that was the most important thing in the world at that time. And it turned out to be, thank God, the best thing I could have done. I know fathers, you're working. I know many mothers are working and, and it's hard. But when they get a certain age, I found with all three of my, all three of my children, when they became teenagers, they needed me more than any time. And that was the most enjoyable time that I had with them was when they were teenagers because I could sit and talk to them. We could reason. Okay. Um, Proverbs 1, 5. I, find, I found it a privilege that my son would desire to come home every day and have lunch with me. I still do. It was a little different at first, but you know, what's a year? What's four years of high school? What's whatever? If, if, if what's an hour? What, what's, what's a stinking program anyway? What's, you know what I'm trying to say? Proverbs 1.5 A wise man will hear and will increase learning and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsel. The wise will hear and increase in learning and the person of understanding will acquire skill and attain to sound counsel so that he may be able to steer his course rightly. Hallelujah. A wise man will hear and increase in learning. How to be a good father? Listen to your children. Number five, provide for your children. This is a big one. You see men that do not provide for their children. My Bible says they're worse than an infidel. They don't deserve that child. They've given up. I know, you know, some people might disagree with me, but if, if the Word says that, if God feels that way, because I can guarantee you all that's going to come out of that until they decide and decide they want to support their children is a lot of hurt. A lot of bribery, a lot of hurt. First Timothy five eight. 
if anyone fails to provide for his relatives and especially for those of his own family, he has disowned the faith by failing to accompany it with fruits and it is and it is worse than an unbeliever who performs his obligation in these matters. I'll go into the King James, but if any provide not for his own and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. How more clear can you get? And how many fathers are out there not providing for their children? Hallelujah, it's pitiful. My Bible says, and your Bible says that for this, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. That's pretty heavy. But the lost provide for their families, but you can't be a good father and not provide for your children. Even the, even the lost provide for their families, but you can't be a good father and not provide for your children. Now I'm going to straighten this out. I don't mean that you're to give them everything they want. <laughs> the number one, that's number one of the worst things you can do. We are living in a generation of children whose parents have robbed their children of the blessings of wanting, working, and waiting for material things. It's the truth. Wanting, waiting, and working for material things. I don't know about you, but when we were 15, we went to work. My dad was a doctor. They had money. We were... <laughs> We went to work when we were 15 and we paid room and board. Didn't hurt us. We learned how to become, what's the word I want to use? Pardon? Well, respectful. We, we, we understood what the, what the dollar meant. We understood you know, my parents had the money to buy us each a car. They didn't. Um, it was expected for us to go out. I, it caused us to become reliable, and it caused us to become... I didn't like it at first because I worked at Santa's Village as a pixie. <laughs> to be honest, don't even try to get a picture of that right now. <laughs> don't even... Don't even try to go there, but I worked at I worked as a pixie at Santa's Village. It was in Scotts Valley, and it, you know, they had the little shoes, and I, I mean, it was whatever. But it caused me to become reliable, a self-reliant, I guess, is what you said. I, it was. It caused me to become reliable and to respect my parents. To this day, I am so grateful they did that, because I never. I, I always was able to go out and think of some way to provide for myself and my children no matter what, even through a divorce. Thank God that they thought back there at that time and expected that of us. And in turn, my kids all had jobs at a very young age. We didn't make them pay room and board. 
but um, you can't, you don't give them, you, if you hand over everything to a child, they will not be respectful for the, for the things that they receive. They will not take care of the things they receive. You know, those things that we had to pay for, we took care of them, okay? I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I was a total, I was such a slob at one point that the maid refused to clean my room. She just told my mother, I'm not cleaning her room. Forget it. And so my mom got on me and those, that changed overnight. I was one of those that liked to throw my clothes all over, you know, but that changed overnight, trust me. But we don't give children everything that they want. We have spoiled our children by giving them instant satisfaction and they will carry on this tradition by charging whatever they want and accumulating enormous credit card debt. And that is the truth. How many remember when you were 18 and they started sending you, maybe some of you don't remember this, that didn't happen in my day. Thank God, but now when your children turn 18, they start receiving credit cards in the mail. Let them know immediately you are not going to pay one cent on their credit card if they go and get one. Too many fathers think they can buy off their children with things and thus, believe, and, thus, and thus relieve themselves of the guilt for not being the kind of father they ought to be, that they can buy their way out of biblical fatherhood. They'll promise you anything material, but give you nothing spiritual or, or Your needs will not, your, your, your soul, your mind, will, emotion, and intellect will not receive the love and the nurturing that it needs. And it's sad. Trust me, I counsel enough and I've seen enough. It hurts. Um, train up your children, Ephesians 6, 4. Hope you're getting something out of this. Good a job. <laughs> that was one of the my favorite songs when I was a teenager. Good a job. Da 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 da. -da. My mom was a real good one. Let me tell you, she was. Thank God, I thank God for her, but every one of us, let's see, my oldest brother went to USC when he was 16. My second brother, because he was a genius, we all, you know, we couldn't live up to him. My middle brother uh, started, we were to keep a B average no matter what. Pete didn't, she gave him a warning, she said if you don't, you're going to be choosing your, your branch of the military. When he turned 16 and a half, he came home. I'll never forget. I will never forget the day. She took one look at his report card and she said, which branch? <laughs> I remember standing there and 
off they went and he joined the Air Force. It was like one day he was there and he went down and he signed the paperwork and I can't think it was about a month later he was no more. The only thing it didn't really hurt her much because or him much because he ended up in Bermuda. <laughs> so when I turned when I became of that age that it was time to she sent me to a private um, boarding school but I weaseled my way out of there. Wish I had stayed, I would have gotten saved. Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not irritate or provoke your children to anger. Do not exasperate them to resentment, but rear them tenderly in the training and discipline and counsel and admonition of the Lord. Yes, amen. Don't irritate or provoke them. How many know when you've provoked your children? None of you? One person knows in this room. You can, I mean, they start rebelling. We must teach and train our children to respect authority in the home or they won't respect authority at school or in the world. If they don't learn it in the home, they will not learn it in school or in the world. If a child is having problems in school, then they need to be learning something in the home. There's something missing in the home. We need to teach our children that there are boundaries, rules, and regulations, a line that they will not cross. There are boundaries, rules, and regulations, a line that they will not cross. Your children are going to test you. They're going to see how much you can get, how much they can get away with. Nowadays, unfortunately, children try to use fear. I'm going to call the police. If I had a kid nowadays and they did that, I would say, here, I'm dialing the number for you. Be my guest right now. We know a well-known evangelist that ended up in jail because his daughter tried that. Amen. You don't fear your kids. There's a song, that'll be the day. <laughs> Remember that song, the Everly Brothers? That'll be the day. Okay, they'll, they'll try to test you. They're going to see how much they can get away with. They are going to see if you mean what you say, if you're going to take a stand, or, that it's, or if it's just an idle threat. I never made idle threats. My kids knew, she's gonna make a threat, she's gonna do it. It's not gonna be idle, it'll be done. And every time you back down from godly instruction, you will have to draw the line further and further away from God's standard. I'm gonna say that one again. Every time and this is even in our personal lives, okay? Let's just don't, let's, let's think of it as parents, but let's also think of this as, as Christians. Every time you back down from godly instruction, you will have to draw the line further and further away from God's standard. If you're not careful after a while, 
they will have become the authority and you will have become the one in submission to them. You know, there's a book out there, Children, it's a different name now, Fun or Frenzy. Children should be fun. Treat your children to respect authority. That's one thing I, I really appreciate about Valley Christian Academy from the, and it was, and I really enjoyed the graduation the other night, from, from preschool on, they learn manners. They learn, thank you, yes ma'am, no ma'am, please. They learn that, and, and, and you saw such a difference in the children. They learn manners. They learn how to be young, godly men and women from a very young age. Amen? Hallelujah. So train your children to respect authority. Earn their respect. Be consistent. Discipline them with love or they will never respect the authority, God, the authority of God in their life. How to be a good father. Train your children. Number seven, pray for yourself. First, Corinth, First Chronicles 16, 11. I know that every one of the men in this church desire to live like God and, and be examples of God in their homes. And I thank God for you. Especially nowadays. I mean, to have a child nowadays, you have to really want one. <laughs> With the way things are. Seek the Lord and his strength. Yearn for and seek his face and to be in his presence continually. This is a good scripture to stand on. Seek the Lord and his strength. Yearn for and seek his face and to be in his presence continually. Praise you, Jesus. Be in his presence continually. You don't have all the answers to the questions. You can't solve all their problems. You don't have all the wisdom, love, and patience to be a father you ought to be. Without God's help, you can never be the father God wants you to be. And that is the truth. We need, you need help. You can't do it by yourself. How to be a good father? Pray for yourself. Pray constantly, all the time. It's an honor and a privilege to be a parent in this hour. Okay, number eight, pray for your children. Psalms 55, 17. Evening and morning and noon I, will I pray and cry aloud. And he shall hear me, and he shall hear my voice. You can't be with your children all the time, but God can. I've shared the story before when Pastor and I, we were on our way to, up to Pismo or San Luis one day, and Matt and a group of his friends, I think it was his graduation thing, a bunch of them had gone to Hawaii. And all of a sudden I told Pastor, I said, we need to pray for Matthew right now. And he said, okay. And so we prayed, and... Matt called me that night and he said, Mom, you'll never believe what happened. And I said, what happened? And um, he said, well, we had gone, you know, that road to Hana. They'd gone on the road to Hana and had left 
their stuff in the car, which is ridiculous. You never leave your stuff in the car in Hawaii. They left their stuff in the car and just crossed the road to look. But over there, they know how to steal and everything was taken except Matt's wallet. All the girls' money were taken. Their purses were robbed. Um, everything but Matt's wallet was sitting right on the top and they never took a cent of his. But everybody else's were taken and the girls looked at him and the guys, the, the ones that were with him said, we know, I can't remember who was with him, we know why yours wasn't. They said, why? Because your mom prays. So they had to live off of his money. If anybody knows Matt, Matt, they know how tight he is. Okay, so we, evening, morning, and night, we'll pray aloud, and he will, shall hear my voice. Pray for your children. Pray for your children. Lift them up to God and do for them, up to God and do for them what you can't do. As parents, they aren't perfect, and we make mistakes if we do it if we would do it all over again, we would do things differently. Maybe we've done the best we could. We did what we thought was right. We raised our children and the best we knew how. Now pray for them. I'm talking to those of you that have children that are out of the house. Pray for them because your heavenly father loves them as much as you do. He actually loves them more and he has more experience than you do. Pray that God the father will take your well-intended efforts at fatherhood and use them to bring your children into his loving arms. Number nine, be a positive role model. Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he shall not depart from it. He won't. You say, well, how old do they have to get? I don't know. God does, but I'm going to tell you one thing. He knows how to get a person. He knows how to deal with the person. How God dealt with me was Matt was dying. Pastor was at work. I watched him turn into one of those children like, like you see in, in Africa. I was an atheist. I didn't believe in God. And I prayed out, God, if you're real, heal this child. And pastor, I called, I prayed, then I called pastor, he came home and he told me later, he goes, I didn't recognize my son and it had only been four hours. We got him to the hospital and, and our doctor couldn't believe it because he'd seen him that day. God moved on me. At that point, I believed there was a God and he moved, he kept moving me, pushing me on towards receiving Jesus. God knows how to deal with people. We don't. He does, so pray. Well, honey, would you come and do communion, please? I hope you got something out of that. <laughs> Over those ones over there that aren't married are saying amen. <laughs>